0: hand clap of praise. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, we thank you, God, for all that you do, God. Lord, we love you so much, God. Lord, you're so good to us, God. Lord, you are the king of our heart, God, Lord, and we're so thankful, God. what you do, God. We're thankful, God, on a Wednesday night, God, Lord, that you're here with us, God. Lord, we're thankful, God, that we have a chance and an opportunity, God, to come in here, God, and lift our voices to you, to sing to you, God, worship you, God. Lord, I ask you tonight, God, Lord, to help us to focus on you, God. Help us, God, Lord, to look to you, God, the author and finisher of our faith, God, no matter what we've gone through today. Lord, no matter what we we brought in here with us, God, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to help us to focus on you for just a little while, God, and to give you glory and honor and praise and your honor, God, and to be able to listen, Lord, to the words you say to us, God. Lord, I ask you to bless everyone in here, bless our teachers, God, bless the kids that go by, God, and we'll give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Amen. Give your neighbor a handshake. Amen. A hug, maybe a high five. Slap them, make sure they're awake we'll dismiss our young people, amen. 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 Praise God, amen. It's good to have all of you in the house of God tonight on a Wednesday night, amen. See, all of you must have showed up at the last second. I turned around a minute ago and there was nobody in here. And then I turned back around and the church has got a lot of people in here, amen. So you guys must have showed up right when Nate Lowe did, amen, right at the last second. Amen. He's done walked out, amen, there he is, <laughs> amen. But we're so glad to have all of you here tonight and just so glad to be able to just worship with you and uh, pray that God will just bless this word and it'll be a blessing on you, amen. Tonight we're going to be in John 6 and uh, I was telling somebody, I forgot who, I was telling Sister Carol. Uh, I had a message that I was going to preach and in the last two days, God just put me in a whole nother way. So just praying that God will bless us and just use it tonight to bless you. Amen. Amen. John 6, 1 through 13 is the story that all of us know well and we've learned it since we were little kids and we're going to be talking about it tonight and it's the story of the loaves and the fishes and it's just such a great story. I'm going to try to unpack it just a little while tonight. John 6, 1 through 13, verse 1 says, after these things, Jesus went over the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him, amen, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. amen. It's very important that we catch that. They followed him because they saw his miracles, amen, because they saw his miracles, they followed him. And Jesus went up, verse 3, into a mountain, and they, there he sat with his disciples. And a Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh, was near, was coming close, amen. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, amen, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Where can we go to get some bread so that they can eat? Amen. And then he said, To prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Amen. We don't have enough money so that every one of them would even get just a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loafs. A barley loaf at that time was the cheapest way you could make bread. So it tells us that this young boy probably didn't have a lot. His parents probably didn't have a lot. As I said, barley was the cheapest way during this time that you could make bread. And two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Amen. Now there was much grass in this place, so the men sat down and number about 5,000. You've probably heard it preached many times. They number the men here. They don't talk about how many women and children here, but there were a lot of people. Amen. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them which sat down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would amen when they were filled he said unto his disciples gather up the remains gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that they had eaten let's pray heavenly father god thank you for this word god thank you god for this word you spoke to us today god lord i ask you to bless this message god Bless every word that's spoken today, God. Let it go to glorify you and to teach your people, Jesus, to learn more about you and draw closer to you. In your precious name, amen. This must have been one great church dinner, amen. Think about it. There's over 5,000 men, no telling how many people was sitting here having a church dinner, amen. You know, I was thinking when I was reading this, I really do love church dinners, amen. I love church dinners, and I know you're looking at me, and you say, well, Keith, you look like you love every dinner, amen, all dinners, amen, and lunches and breakfasts and snacks and cereals and all kind of good stuff, amen, you look like you love it all, amen, and I do, I love to eat, amen, I can't hardly hide that from you, but I truly do love it when we have church dinners, I really do, I love to have church dinners, and I love it because I get to see all of you, amen, and I get to fellowship with you, I'm like a kid in a candy store, amen, If you'll see me. And when we have a church dinner, I'll be sitting there watching the door to see who comes in next. Amen. I can't wait to see who's coming because I can't wait to see all of you come in. You see, I get to see you once, twice a week at church, sometimes more. Amen. But in those situations are different. When I'm in church, you know, if y'all noticed, I'm a little obsessive. And I kind of run around here like a chicken with my head cut off a lot of times. And I don't get to have a lot of meaningful conversations with people On church services, because I'm running around trying to get things done. So that's why I love church dinners, is because I get to talk to you and I get to fellowship with you and I get to have a meaningful conversation. Amen. Unlike I do a lot of times on Sundays and Wednesdays. Amen. So I love church dinners and I love to see who comes to them. Amen. But I'm going to be quite honest with you. Amen. I also like to see what food you bring. Amen. (laughs) I like to see what food you bring. Amen. You'll notice if I come over to hug you, A lot of times I'm going to be looking to see what food you brought too, amen. Uh, I want to see who brought what, amen. You'll see me, if I hug Sister Elsie, I want to see if she brought my lima beans, amen. She always brings lima beans for me because she knows I eat them and I love them so much. So she brings them, so I'll go give her a hug just to make sure she brought my lima beans, amen. And I'll hug Brother Billy Ray and Sister Angela because I want to see if they got that chicken and dressing, amen. Amen, amen. If you have ever ate that chicken and dressing, you know what I'm talking about, amen. And uh, so I'll see if they got that chicken address, and then I'll see how many people's in here, so I'll know if there'll be some when I get around there, amen, (laughs) amen. Then I might look at Sister Parsons to see if she's got one of those desserts that she brings that's just heavenly, amen, and uh, just uh, so you can tell I love to eat, amen, and I love to see you, but I also like to see what you brought, amen. I want to see what you brought, amen. Tonight we're going to be talking about the feeding of the 5,000, amen. Some call it the miracle of the multiplication. I've heard it called the world's biggest fish fry, amen. But this is, that was funnier than a lot of y'all let on there, amen. (laughs) Amen. We're going to have to loosen up a little bit in this place, amen. All right, tonight we're going to try to learn from as much as we can in this package, and we're going to try to unpack it tonight. But one thought I had was a lot of times when we talk about this miracle, we forget about the boy. We forget about the lad, right? We talk about the miracle, right? We talk about the blessing. We talk about the teaching. We talk about the disciples. We talk about Jesus. A lot of times we forget about the boy, amen? The King James Version calls him a lad. He was a young man, amen? You see, there would have been no fish fry if the boy wouldn't have brought some loaves and some fishes, amen? If the boy wouldn't have brought five loaves and two fishes, there would have been no fish fry, amen? There were over 5,000 people on that hill that day, this little boy was the only one that brought something that Jesus could use. Amen. Think about that. Amen. Everybody else, the Bible says, come because they saw these miracles. So everybody else came because they were looking for what Jesus could do for them. Everybody else came to see what Jesus could benefit them. This little boy brought something that could be used by Jesus. Amen. Right. You see, a lot of us today, whether we know it or not, or we're all called into the ministry. Amen. Every one of us, I should say, is called into the ministry. And you say, well, I'm not a preacher. Amen. And that's not what I said. I said you were called into the ministry. Amen. The ministry of spreading the gospel. The ministry of serving people. The ministry of leading people to Jesus. Amen. The gospel of advancing and building the kingdom of Jesus here on this earth. Amen. All of us have been called to that. Amen. And I think what happens in church services all around the world, and it was the same in Jesus' day. If you go back and read the Bible, there's a lot of people that come to church services for what they can gain, but few come bringing something to be used. Amen? A lot of people come to gain something, but few come to to be able to be used. Amen? When disciples looked around out over these 5,000 people, they saw a problem. Jesus saw an opportunity. Amen? Jesus always had a ministry mindset. He Always had a teaching mindset, amen. He always had a kingdom first mindset, a mindset that was always looking for an opportunity to lead and teach and bless people, amen. If you look, read verse 5 and 6 again, Danny, the Bible says, When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company unto him, he said unto Peter, said unto Philip, I'm sorry, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he knew what he would do, amen? When Jesus looked up and he saw this great multitude of people crowding around him, the Bible said he knew exactly what he would do, amen? He knew what he would do. The Bible says in Matthew, the Son of Man came to be, to be served. I'm sorry, he came not to be served, but came to serve, amen? See, Jesus saw an opportunity to serve, and he saw an opportunity to witness, amen? He saw an opportunity to teach, amen? And he also recognized that the disciples saw a problem, but they didn't see an opportunity. Amen. Amen. All of these disciples saw that there was a problem. These people don't have any food to eat, Jesus. But he saw an opportunity. Amen. Jesus saw an opportunity. How many of you say you're guilty at times of seeing problems but not seeing opportunities? Amen. 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 Would you say that at times? Do you Are you guilty of that? Amen. At my job, whenever there's a problem and we say we have a problem, inevitably someone's always going to say, we don't have a problem, we have a challenge, amen? That's just one of those little key things that people say, amen? We don't have a problem, we have a challenge, amen? I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that says that. I'm the guy that says we got a problem, amen? Yeah. <laughs> That's the guy I am, amen? My, my first instinct is always to panic, right, and let everybody know that we got a problem. So I panic first, and then I try to figure it out later. Pastor Mark will tell you, whenever this thing right here flooded, and there was water all the way back in here. He turned around, and I then went that way somewhere. Amen. I panicked. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I panicked first, then I calmed down, and we got to work. Amen. Amen. And that's what I do. I panic first, then we figure it out. So this message tonight hit me very hard. Amen. I am very guilty of seeing the problem, but not seeing the opportunity. A lot of times when I look at people, I see their problems, but I don't see the opportunity. Amen. Yeah. Are you guilty of looking at people a lot of times and seeing their problem? right, they're, they're addicted, amen, they, they're a, a gambler, right, they, they do this, they've got this problem, but we're not, but we don't see the opportunity we have to witness to them and minister to them, amen. Jesus wanted his disciples to have a ministry first mindset, and I think he wants us to have a ministry first mindset also, amen. He asked Philip, he said, where can we go buy some bread so that these may eat, to which Philip looked at him and said, we ain't got that kind of money, Jesus, amen. And that's, that's how I say it. Amen. That's my interpretation. Amen. Philip was a little more elegant than I am. Right. And listen, Philip handled this better than I would, right? Because I'm kind of tight with money. Amen. My wife would tell you, I, <laughs> my wife would tell you, sometimes I squeak when I walk. I'm a little I'm a little tight, amen. So I'm a little better than I used to be, amen. But five thousand people is wanting to eat, amen. If you get your calculator out, I did today. Right, I got my calculator out, right, and did the math. Two pieces of Little Caesars pizza, right? That's good. For $5 a piece, you look looking at it, over $6,000, amen? $6,000 for 5,000 people to eat two pieces of pizza from Little Caesars, amen? And you know some of these greedy people are going to get three pieces, amen? you <laughs> right. And then some of them, then they got to have drinks. They got to have ice. We're talking over seven, $8,000, right, to feed these people. Philip said, we don't have that kind of money, Jesus. We don't have enough money to feed all of these people, Amen. Not even enough so that everybody will get just a little bit. We don't have that kind of money. Philip saw a problem. Jesus saw an opportunity. Jesus said, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Amen. I know what I'm going to do. Amen. Tonight I'm going to give you two points. Amen. That's right. Only two points. Amen. I know some of y'all say, wow, where's the third point? Two points tonight. Amen. That I see in this message. Amen. That I believe will help us grow in our ministry mindset. The first thing I see is don't let problems that are outside of your control stop you from ministering to others. Amen? Don't let things that are outside of your control, don't let problems stop you from ministering to other people. Amen? You don't know how many times I've let problems that were outside of my control stop me to, from witnessing to somebody. Amen? You don't know how many times I've let problems that are outside of my control stop me from being a blessing to somebody else. Amen? So you think about it. If we allowed... Every problem that come into our life to stop us from ministering to somebody, don't you think the devil is just going to continue to throw problem after, problem after problem after problem after problem in front of us, amen? You ever thought, man, I can't catch a break? You ever thought, man, after one problem, I have another problem. After one problem, I have another problem. Right? We may be letting these problems get to us. We may be letting these problems stop us from serving other people and doing the Lord's work, Amen? And maybe if we would just push through some of these problems, maybe the devil would move on to somebody else he could stop. Amen? If we would push through some of these problems. Amen? And we would continue to minister to other people. When I read the Bible, I see that Jesus never let problems stop him. Mm -hmm. He never let problems stop him from ministering to other people. Amen? If you remember any time Jesus was trying to minister to somebody, there was always two people around. Amen? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Every time he was trying to teach, every time he was trying to love, every time he was trying to heal, every time he was trying to serve, there was always two people around, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people of the day, and they were always causing him problems, amen, trying to get him to stop ministering to people, trying to get him to quit teaching people this new way, this new way that they didn't know, amen. In fact, not long before this feeding of the 5,000, if you read back in John 5, you find that that Jesus was out and he had just healed this man in the temple. And he told him, if you remember, to take up your bed and walk. And the Pharisees came together and they all, they all said that they were going to cons- kill Jesus. Amen. They all came together and they said they conspired to kill him. John 5, 16 and 18 says it like this. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and they sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Amen. He had healed on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them. My father worketh, heareth too, and I work. Amen. My father works on the Sabbath day. I'm going to work too. Amen. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he had not only broken the Sabbath, but he said that God was his father. Amen. Making him equal with God. Jesus is doing what Jesus is doing. He's out healing. He's out teaching. He's out doing what he does. And these Jewish leaders do everything they can to stop him from ministering to people. But Jesus refuses to to let problems stop him from ministering to people. Amen. They wanted to kill Jesus for this. Amen. They wanted to kill him. Did you catch why? They wanted, they wanted to kill him because he was healing on the Sabbath day. Amen. Could you imagine that? I mean, is it bad to heal somebody? No. I don't think anybody would say it's bad to heal anybody. Amen. I don't think anybody during that time, I don't think the Pharisees and the Sadducees would say it's a bad thing to heal somebody. This man hadn't been able to walk for 40 years. How could it be? a bad thing to heal him, amen, right? It's a good thing, amen. No one could argue that point, but you can't do it on a Sabbath day, amen? And Jesus, he's, he can't walk for 40 years. What's one more day, amen? That's what they were saying. Just wait one more day, and you could have healed him in, but see, you healed him on a Sabbath day, amen? And I, I, I think a lot of times, that's what church people do, if we're honest with ourselves. And you probably see that all over the world, right? Church people do that. Good things start happening, and church people start tearing it down. Amen. Good things start happening. Church people start asking questions. They start wanting to know if that's the right thing to do. Right. Is God in this? Amen. Is this people? Right. If you, if you saw, and I know we've talked about this many times, but these revivals in Kentucky are going on and people are being healed, people are being saved, people are being changed, and it's a good thing. Amen. And if people start saying, is this a show? Amen. Is this people? I saw this video, and you can't make this stuff up, amen. Mm-hmm. There was this guy, and the heading of the video said, the Asbury Revival, is it real? Is it real? And this guy coming on here, and he immediately tells us, it's not real, guys, it's not real, okay, it's not real. I've, uh, I've come down here, and i figured out it's not real, and shame on all of you for not seeing it yourselves, amen. You see, he said he was watching the videos, and one of the speakers was speaking, and he was reading out of the Bible, and it wasn't a King James Bible. Right? And because it was not a King James Bible, the revival could not be real. Amen? That's what he said. That's what this guy said. It can't be real if it ain't King James, baby. That's what he said. It can't be real if it ain't King James. Amen? And listen, I read a lot of King James, too. It's mostly what I read. It's what I grew up with. Amen? But I want you to understand one thing. They weren't reading King James in the upper room. No. I want you to understand that. When Peter went out and preached to 3,000 people that were saved right after that, he wasn't reading out of the King James translation. Amen? King James wasn't even published until 1611, amen? What I want you to understand today is that whenever people see good things happening, for some reason, church people want to tear it down and want to talk about it, amen? We need to quit praying for God to show up and show out and then question Him when He does, amen? We need to quit praying for God to show up in our life and start doing all of these things, and then we need to quit questioning God, is it really God when it happens, amen? So we think just because Jesus... Because revival isn't happening here, then it can't happen somewhere else, right? But a lot of times I think the reason it doesn't happen here is because of us, amen? Right, Right? and don't throw anything at me, right? But I think, you see, I'm I'm responsible for revival in my life, amen? I'm responsible for revival in my life. You're responsible for revival in your life. Amen. And I think a lot of time and I'm guilty of this, right? I pray and we pray for revival in our church, right? And we pray for revival in our schools. Amen. And we pray for revival here and we pray for revival there. Amen. But we need to pray for revival in our hearts. Amen. We need to pray for revival in our lives. Amen. And out of that out of that revival will happen in our churches revival will happen in our families amen we need to get our own lives right amen we need to get our own lives right and we need to revive our own lives amen i saw a quote the other day that said if we pray for revival we'll get performance but if we pray for jesus we'll get revival amen we need to pray jesus for jesus amen we need more of jesus amen and we need to have a ministry mindset amen we need to quit focusing on the problems and the reasons for why things aren't happening or why things can't happen, and we need to start looking for opportunities to make them happen. Amen. Amen? Amen. Even when problems seem to be getting worse, Jesus was always focusing on His ministry. Amen? You may say, well, we're not Jesus, and we're not. Amen? But all of us have Jesus inside of Amen. us if we're saved. Amen? Right? So, so what made Jesus able to continue to minister to others when the problems just kept coming, right? And when things just seemed to be getting worse, when seems things seemed to be getting worse, and you say, well, how did Jesus keep going? How did he keep, continue to be focused on the ministry, amen? I don't think the answer is how, but I think the answer is what, amen? See, what did Jesus know that allowed him to focus on the opportunities instead of the problems? See, I, I think it's the what, amen? Jesus knew that his father was always at work, amen? I believe Jesus really understood Jeremiah 29 and 11. Amen. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I believe Jesus really understood and knew Romans 8 and 28, which says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Amen. To them that are called according to His purpose. Amen. See, we can quote these scriptures. Amen. But do we really know them? Just because, because you can quote something doesn't mean you know it, amen? Right. By know it, I mean believe it. Yeah. By knowing, I mean trust it, amen? Yeah. Just because we can quote Jeremiah 29 and 11, just because we can quote eight, Romans 8 and 28, do we truly know it? Yeah. Do we truly believe it? Do we truly have it in our heart, amen? There was something inside of Jesus that let him continue to focus on the mission right. instead of the problems, amen? Jesus understood that God is at work in the problems, even when they were outside of His control, they were not out of control. Amen. Amen? Amen. Just because things are out of your control does not mean they are out of control. Amen. God is still in control. Nothing has gotten past God. Nothing has caught God by surprise. Amen. God is always at work. Amen. That's right. Even when problems are outside of your control, God is always at work. Amen. That's what God specializes in, Brother Ron. When we reach the end of our control, that's where God steps in, amen? That's where whenever we reach the end of our potential, whenever we reach the end of the things that we say we can do, God does what only He can do, amen? amen. You may say, well, why do things come up in our lives that are out of our control? Why do, why do we have problems in our lives, amen? Amen. One reason is because God's working some things into our lives. Mm-hmm. Some things like patience. Some things like perseverance, amen? One thing that I see that Jesus had was perseverance, Perseverance means we continue to minister to others even as God ministers to us. Amen. That's right. And that's biblical. Read 2 Corinthians 1 3 through 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and of comfort, who comforts us in all tribulation, that we might be able to comfort them which are in trouble. While we're in tribulation, God's comforting us while we comfort others. Amen? Did you catch that? Amen. While we're comforting others, God is comforting us. Even when we're in tribulation. Even when we're having problems. Amen. Even when things are coming against us. Whenever we're comforting other people. Whenever we're serving God's people, God's serving us. Right. Amen. Yeah. By the comfort wherewith we're with, we are ourselves are comforted of God. If we will persevere and continue to serve God's children, even when the problems come, God will give us strength. <coughs> he will give us comfort. Amen. Yep. As we comfort others. Our first point, let's follow the example of Jesus and not let problems that are outside of our control stop us from ministering to others, amen? Problem two, point two. (laughs) Point two, don't let what you don't have stop you from ministering to others, Mm. amen? How many times do we let what we don't have or what we perceive not to have stop us from ministering to others, amen? Too many times we focus on how big the task is or how limited our resources are, amen? You ever catch yourself doing that? Focusing on how big the task is. Focusing on how much you don't have. Focusing on the resources you have. Amen. Too many times we focus on how limited our resources are. Amen. Instead of focusing on the job at hand. There's a story of this man. He's out there on the seashore. And uh, he, he goes out on the seashore real early one morning. And there's starfish everywhere. Thousands of them. And they're all over the seashore just right there. And they're dying. They're drying up. They're dying. They're all on this seashore. The tide's going back out, and they're just all up there dying. So, this old man is out there. He's just picking them up and tossing them in the water. He's picking them up, tossing them in the water. He reaches down, picking them up, tossing them in the water. And these two boys are over here, and they're like looking at him, like, What's he doing? And he just continues to do it. And these boys run up. They said, What are you doing? He said, I'm trying to save these starfish. They're dying. He said, There's thousands of these starfishes. You'll never make a difference. You'll never make a difference to all of these starfishes. He said, I made a difference to that one. I was able to save that one. Amen. Don't let the size of the job or the difficulty of what you perceive you do not have stop you from ministering others. Amen. Don't let what you think you don't have, don't let what you feel like you don't have enough of stop you from ministering to other people. Good. Philip said in uh, verse 7, he said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Philip's saying, we don't have enough to feed all of these, amen, but yet he hasn't even fed one, amen. Think about it. He said, we don't have enough to feed 5,000, but he hasn't even fed one yet, amen. How many of us do that, amen? We don't have enough to help everybody, but we haven't helped anybody, amen. We can't even begin to think about what we don't have enough resources or enough talent or enough of anything to reach everyone until we try to just reach one, amen. Amen. We may think, I don't, I can't reach everybody, amen, but can you reach one? Yeah. Can you reach one, amen? The number one reason people don't start reaching others is because they don't think they have what it takes. A lot of people think, I just don't have what it takes to minister to other people. They don't think they're smart enough. They don't think they have enough answers. They don't think they're well-spoken enough, whatever it is. I remember Moses said he had a stuttering problem, amen? All throughout the Bible, you see people that thought they weren't enough. They didn't have enough. They weren't good enough, amen? They weren't sufficient enough, amen? And all of this, all throughout the Bible, you see that, amen. There weren't such and such, and it's still happening today, amen. I know it happens to me. Every time I preach, I'm more focused on what I don't have, amen. What I Every time I get before I get up here, I start thinking about I can't speak well enough, amen. I'm not smart enough. I don't have all of these things. Honestly, most of the time, a lack of confidence is the only thing I feel like I've got enough of, amen. And that's, <laughs> I think if we're honest today, a lot of us are like that, right? We allow a feeling of lack. A feeling of not being good enough to stop us from ministering to other people. From doing the work of the Lord. And this is something that at times has almost crippled me. Amen. From doing the work of the Lord. A fear of not being good enough. A fear of not being smart enough. But what I've learned is that I have to focus on the things that I do have. amen. Amen. I have to focus on the things that I do have instead of the things that I don't have. Amen. Philip said we don't have enough money to feed all of these people. But there was a different disciple. His name was Andrew, and this was Simon Peter's brother. And he said, but there is a boy here who has five small barley loaves and two small fish. Amen. Mm -hmm. Verse 8 said it this way. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto them, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two fishes, but what are they among so many? Philip said, we don't have anything. Andrew said, well, we do have something. We do have something, right? It's not enough. Amen. Amen. It's not enough. Both of them suffered from a feeling of insufficiency in light of the task we have. And I think of honest, if we're honest with ourselves, we're probably all feeling insufficient in light of the calling that we've had on our life. Amen? But I'm reminded of the words that Paul spoke in 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29 that says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Amen. I'm so glad that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Amen. And God has chosen the weak things. Amen. Of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Amen. And the base things of the world and things that are despised have God chosen. Yea. And things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh. Should glory in His presence. Amen. The reason that God uses people that feel inadequate is God gets the glory. Amen. Amen. God gets the glory. See, Paul said, it's not about who we are. Amen. It's not about what we have, how smart we are. It's about who God is. Amen. Right. It's about who God is and being available to be used by God. No flesh should glory in His presence. The things I'm not capable of doing do not bring... The things I am capable of doing do not bring God glory. Amen. Amen. The things that I think I'm so good at and all those things, they don't bring God glory. Amen. The Bible says His power is made perfect in my weakness. Amen. It's in my insufficiencies that God's grace is shown sufficient. It may not, it's in my not enough that we find that God is more than enough. Amen. How many of you feel like at times you're not enough? Amen. If you're honest with yourselves, Amen. How many of you feel like you're not enough? Right? Right. How many of you remember? on America's Got Talent that time that that lady come out Susan Boyle how many of you remember that hey amen I know most of y'all don't have tvs you're all holy right right <laughs> but <laughs> right but there was this lady who came out on America's Got I think it was actually Britain's Got Talent it's one of them but she came out right and she uh and, and she came out and if you don't know what America's Got Talent is it's a show they have three or four judges right and and it's you know they vote every week and you, you make it on to the next round, or you don't, and you always, you do some type of talent, singing, whatever it is, right? And at times, to keep the show more interesting, right, I guess, or funny, they'll bring people out that don't have any talent. If you've ever seen those shows, right, they'll bring people out that can't sing a lick, right? They might bring me out, right, to sing, right? Or they might bring somebody else out to dance that can't dance, or whatever it is, Amen. And that's just to get a laugh, right, to make the show more interesting. If you've watched the show, you've seen that many, many times, amen. And when you saw Susan Boyle come out, you kind of thought, that's where this is headed, right? That this, You say, okay, I know where this is going, right? I, she's not going to have any talent, right? Everybody's going to laugh, whatever, right? Susan Boyle comes out, right? And most of the time the show, these contestants are kind of younger. Most of the time they're good looking, right? Most of the time they kind of look the part, I guess you would say, amen, but Susan Boyle was the exact opposite. She was the exact opposite, okay? She wasn't young. She was kind of homely looking, if, you, if you're honest, right? Right? She was. Amen? Right? She looked a little bit like Mrs. Doubtfire in that movie, Robin Williams. Amen? I know you guys don't have TVs, right? Mrs. Doubtfire, I don't even have time to explain that movie. Amen? <laughs> right? But she comes out, and guys, she begins to sing, and it's amazing. Amen? Her voice is like angels, I promise you. It's absolutely beautiful. Amen. She has such a powerful voice, and everyone is blown away. Everyone can't believe what they're seeing. Amen. But listen, when she stepped out on that stage, everyone was focusing on the things she didn't appear to have. Amen. Everyone was focusing on the things that she didn't seem like she had enough of. Amen. Right? See, she didn't have the right looks. She wasn't wearing the right clothes. She wasn't the right age, she was extremely nervous, amen, she didn't appear to have the right confidence level, but there was one thing that she had, amen, and she brought it with her, it was an amazing voice, amen, she may not have had a lot of things, but what she had, she brought, and it was enough, amen, she went on to finish, I believe she finished second or she won, I can't remember, but she had a wonderful career, amen. See, when we quit focusing on the things that we don't have, we don't think we have enough of, and we begin to focus on the things that we do have, God will bless those things, and he will make them more than enough. Amen. If you'll quit focusing on the things that you don't have and focus on the things that you do have, God will make them more than enough. Okay? I want to ask you a question and be patient with me today. Amen. Don't throw anything at me. Don't think he's uh, being uh, blasphemous or whatever up here. Okay? Right? Most people read this passage and we've all read this passage and we've all heard it we've all heard it called Jesus feeds the 5000 right you've all heard that your whole life probably right but i want to ask you a question did jesus feed the 5000 no amen the pastor knows that right? you <laughs> right did jesus feed the 5000 right did jesus feed the 5000 amen see i want to read verse put up verse 11 one more time in uh, john 6 danny and Jesus took the loaves, the Bible says, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Amen. See, Jesus performed the miracle. Amen. But it was the disciples that fed the 5,000. As the disciples began to feed the 5,000, Jesus gave the increase. Amen. Jesus blessed it and he made it enough. Amen. I want you to think about it. There's no way... Those baskets, I don't know how big the baskets were. I imagine they were little bitty baskets, amen? Because it it, they, they, they didn't have much back then. So I imagine they were little bitty baskets, right? So there's no way 5,000 people, 12 disciples, had big enough baskets to walk around and feed everybody, amen? It had to be a little basket if you think about it, amen? But if you think about it, as they begin to feed people, more fish and more loaves begin to fill those baskets, amen? They didn't start off with enough. But as they began to feed, more came. God provided more. Amen. Jesus gave the increase. Amen. Jesus blessed what they had and he multiplied it as they began serving. Amen. There were 12 disciples, 5 loaves and 2 fishes. Amen. If you get that calculator back out, each disciple would have had less than half a loaf of bread. Each disciple would have had a 16th of a fish. Amen. But it was only as they kept ministering that the loaves and fishes multiplied. It was only as they kept serving did the loaves and fishes multiply. And you know how awesome that is, amen? It was only as they were finished feeding everyone that they found out that they had plenty left over. Could you imagine that day, amen? I know me, if Jesus tells me, okay, you've got this little basket and go out and start feeding. Now, I'm, the whole time I'm going to be thinking I'm going to run out, right? Because I, I panic. That's what I do, amen? I'm nervous. That's what I do. I'm going to be going around the whole time going I'm to run out. I'm, I'm going to be like that time we had those... Uh, communion remember that we had communion in this church and pastor didn't tell me where the cups were he hid them from me amen and, and we're, we're handing them out and I can see about right there we're going right we're going to run out we're going to run out and I'm trying to get his attention because I don't know where they're at and I'm looking everywhere they should have been but they're not there right because apparently we keep communion cups in the sound booth for some reason that's what we do in this church we keep communion cups in the sound booth amen right but that's what, the that's way what I would have been doing. I would have been saying, we're going to run out, we're going to run out, we're going to run out. Right? But as they kept serving, and as they kept believing, amen, he kept feeding, he kept multiplying, amen. And their faith continued to grow. Their faith continued to grow, amen. And when they finished, they found out they had plenty left over. The Bible says in verse 13, Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the f- five barley loaves. Twelve baskets which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. After everybody had eaten, after everybody had gotten full, there was still plenty left over. Amen. The thought here is why do we only want to start ministering to people when we think we have everything together? Amen. Why do we only want to start serving when we think we've got it all figured out and we have all the answers and we know what we're doing? Amen. When we want to start ministering to people when we're full spiritually, right? We say things, well, you know, I'm not really in a place to serve other people right now, right? Let me grow some. Let me learn some. Let me get to this. Let me be more prepared, right? But we'll never be prepared enough, amen? See, but that's not the lesson of the 5,000. See, they didn't start out full and end empty. No, they started out empty and they ended full. As they continued to go, as they continued to minister, as they continue to serve, they ended full, amen? If we start ministering to people, God will prepare us, amen? physically and spiritually, amen, and He will fill us as we go. He will prepare us as we go, amen. I love that the lesson of the 5,000 is that when we feed God's children, we finish full, Amen. amen. Whenever we feed God's children, we finish full. We may feel like we started out with nothing, amen. We may feel like we don't have enough talent. We may feel like we don't have enough ability. We may feel like we don't have enough resources, enough of what we need to bless God's children. But if we'll just start, and we feel like we, we don't have all this, right? But if we'll just start, amen, we'll finish full. Yeah. We'll finish full, amen. And that's not prosperity preaching, amen. I'm talking about things that will feel, fill us, amen, like in so much more ways than not prosperity, amen, and money and all that. I'm talking about relationships and faith and peace in our hearts and joy and this abundant life that God talks about, amen. There's no greater fulfillment than leading somebody to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I promise you that. Amen. I felt it in my life a couple of times, several times. Amen. There's no greater feeling than leading somebody to Jesus Christ. I think about this church. Amen. When I first become part of this church almost probably close to 10 years now ago that me and Heather come to this church and Jared and Elizabeth and this church didn't have the resources didn't have the resources to serve the amount of people that it does now. It doesn't. Amen. I remember uh, At one time, we were talking about that. You know, we didn't have the teachers. We didn't have everybody up here on this worship band. We didn't have the resources, the financial resources. We didn't have the resources to serve the amount of people we do now. Amen? But as the church began serving, God began multiplying. As we began serving, as we began working, God began adding. Amen? And if you'll notice, God continues to add. God continues to multiply, amen, as we continue to serve. It's only if you see us start dwindling, we need to look to see if we're still serving, amen. If you see us start shrinking, you need to look to see if we're still serving God's children, amen, because we may not be doing His work, so we may not be multiplying, we may not be filling anymore, amen. The two lessons I learned from feeding of the 5,000s this week is that we can't let problems outside of our control, stop us from ministering to others. And we can't allow what we don't have to stop us from ministering to others. Amen. As we get ready to close the night, Amen. I want to leave you with one last point. You guys thought I only had two points. Amen. I snuck another one in there. Amen. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to leave you with two. Amen. Y'all would feel like you was cheated if you went home with only two points. Amen. All right. One last point. I want to take you back to Philip's response, amen. Philip's response in verse 7, if you will, Danny. Jesus asked Philip, he said, where can we get the bread to feed my children? Where can we get the resources to feed my children? Where can we go buy bread to feed my children? And Philip's response was found in uh, verse 7 in uh, John 6. It says this, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take even a little Philip said 200 penny worth wouldn't be enough. The Greek word for a penny is denarius. Okay, and we all know that a denarius is equal to a day's wage in this time according to other scriptures and history. Philip is saying that not even 200 days worth of labor would be able to feed all of these people so that they'll get just a little bit. Amen. Philip is saying seven months worth of wages. Amen. Think about this. Seven months worth of wages wouldn't be enough To feed your children, Jesus. What Philip was saying, and I think if we're truly honest toward ourselves, what we say sometimes, whenever we start thinking about serving people, whenever we start thinking about ministering to other people, whenever we think about helping other people, whenever we think about leading people to Jesus, we immediately do as Philip did. We start counting the cost. Amen. See, Philip started counting the cost. What's it going to cost to feed these people? Amen. And I think if we're honest, a lot of times we do the same things, right? We start counting the cost. But Jesus, that'll take resources, amen? That'll take money. That'll take patience. That'll take my most coveted my most coveted thing that I have, Jesus. That'll take time. Amen. That'll take time, Jesus, for me to serve your people, amen? That'll take the one thing that I don't want to give up, amen? I'll give some money in offering plate, but the one thing I don't want to give up is time. Amen. And we may say or think things like but, like this, but Jesus, doing what you've asked me to do will take away from the things I want to do. See, you want me to go out and serve your children. You want me to go out and do these things and minister to your children, right? But Jesus, I just want to fish. Jesus, I just want to hunt. Jesus, I just want to go play golf. Jesus, I just want to spend time with my family. I just want to go do all of these things. And you say, well, I want to do all of these things, Jesus. So I really don't have... What it takes the time to minister to your children, Jesus. I think if we're honest, a lot of times we start counting the cost, amen. God, if you, if I do what you ask me to do, it'll cost something. And I want to let you know today it will cost you something, amen. And I think if we're truly honest tonight, whenever we feel like God's laid someone on our heart to talk to about Jesus, to lead them to, our first thought is, what will it cost me? What will it cost me? Will it is there a chance that might embarrass me? Is there a chance that people will talk about me? Is there a chance that this will happen or that'll happen, whatever it is? I remember one time a member of this church said something that'll always stick with me, and I'm going to tell you who it is because it's too good not to give her credit. Amen. And I don't think she would. I don't think she would mind. It's Heather Nelson. She said, "Leading people to Jesus takes work." She said. In order to lead someone to Jesus, you have to build a relationship. And that takes work, and that takes time. And a lot of people just don't want to invest that much into somebody. And I think if we're honest, we know that, right? Leading someone to Jesus is more than handing out pamphlets. Amen? Don't get me wrong, that's good stuff. Do that. Amen? Leading someone to Jesus is more than inviting them to church. That's good. You need to continue to do that. Amen? Leading someone to Jesus is more than sharing something on Facebook. We need to do that too. Please do more of that. Amen. But I want you to know today it takes a personal connection to lead somebody to Jesus usually. Amen. Because I want you to know if I go out and invite your friend to church, they're not going to come. It's true, right? If I go out and invite your friend to church, a person that I don't know, they're not going to come. Amen. But you, with that relation to them, they're a whole lot more apt to come. Than if I do, but a lot of times we start thinking about what will it cost us. Amen. Right. So if if we're real, as we've been to saying, and we as we begin to pray and as we close, I want you to think about one last thing. Amen. I want you to think about one last thing. Pray pray for this please. Blessing God, blessing God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask you a question today. Do you believe that if a person does not give their life to Jesus, do you believe that if a person is not saved if they have not asked for forgiveness and they have never asked Jesus to forgive them and they leave this world, do you believe they'll go to hell? Do you believe that? Another question, do you know someone that you care about that you believe they don't know Jesus as their personal Savior? Now I know we're... We're not supposed to judge people. I understand that. But the Bible says that we know them by the fruit they bear. Amen. Amen. We know them by the fruit they bear. Amen. And we see the fruit that people bear. Amen. And we see the lives that people live. Right? And I think if we're honest, most of us know somebody. We care about somebody. We love somebody that does not know Jesus. Amen. Amen. And if we believe that they died in that condition, that they would go to hell. Amen. So we believe in hell and we know people that may be headed that way that we care about, I think most of us would say we know somebody in that situation. So today as we pray, I want to ask, is it worth the cost? Is it worth the cost? Amen. Philip said it's going to cost something. It's going to cost something. I want to ask if you know somebody that you love, that you care about, that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, and you believe that there is a hell that they're probably headed to if they don't find Jesus Is their personal Savior? Not probably that they are. I want to ask you a question. Is it worth the cost to try to lead them to Jesus? Is it worth the cost? Is it worth the time? Is it worth the effort? Is it worth the risk of embarrassing yourself? Is it worth the risk of costing your friendship? Amen. Is it worth the risk? Amen. I want to ask you that. Amen. Philip said, we don't have what it takes. But Jesus said, what do you have? What do you have? today you may think you don't have what it takes but I believe Jesus just laid on my heart this week what do you have what can you bring what can you bring amen do you have desire to see them saved if that's all you have is desire I want you to let you know it's enough if all you have is a desire to see them saved if all of you have is a desire to see that person saved and to give their life to Jesus I want you to know that Jesus will multiply that and make it enough If that's all you have, it's a desire. So today as we pray, I want to ask you to ask God to give you that desire. If you don't already have it, pray that God will bless you and allow you to minister to somebody else, amen? That God will lay on your heart people to minister to, amen? Amen. I believe we got room for them here, amen? I believe we got room for them. And maybe they won't ever attend this church. Maybe they won't. But I sure would love to see them in heaven. Amen. I had somebody tell me a long time ago that they say you can't take anything to heaven with you. But that's a lie. You can take someone to heaven with you. Amen. You can take somebody to heaven with you. Amen. And that ought to be all of our goal. Amen. To take somebody with us. Amen. Amen. One day I want to get there and I want to see people say, Hey, Keith, I'm here because of you. Amen. Not because of you. Amen. Because of Jesus right because you led but you know what I mean amen so let's pray that tonight amen let's pray to God to give us the desire to reach people and to minister to his children and a desire to go past the things that we think we don't have tonight let's pray Heavenly Father God we love you God we thank you